And I'm back. And as always, I have dragged Will kicking and screaming with me. This joke is so old, it subscribes to the AARP magazine. <laughs> you know, he's, he's so mean to me, but he's going to miss me next week when I'm gone. Yes, I'll have to deal with no obscure tangents or interruptions while I'm talking about this week's Paula talk. What a terrible eventuality. I'm heartbroken. You know, he, he sounds sarcastic, but he's actually really heartbroken. Anyway, welcome to this week's Politalk, ladies and gentlemen. We have a lot to talk about. This was a very news-heavy week with a number of major revelations and other major disasters. So let's not waste any more time beating around the bush. Let's get right into it with the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room. The big, ungainly elephant named Gordon in the room. (laughs) U.S. Ambassador to the EU Gordon Sondland testified in the public impeachment hearings this week. His testimony was a bit of a disaster for the president as Sondland threw Trump and his entire administration under the bus. He testified that he was part of a larger effort to force the Ukrainian government to open an investigation into Joe Biden and, and this is important, announce it publicly. Sondland claimed... One moment. Sondland claimed that that this effort happened at the express instruction of the president and that the president was more concerned with the public announcement of the investigation than than the actual investigation. Now, why would Trump... I mean, there's no quid pro quo, as we've seen in his notes. So, why would he be so concerned with a public announcement then? Obviously, because he wants it to be seen, he wants it to seem like his political rivals are under investigation for corruption. For the record, Sondland actually used the term quid pro quo in his testimony. Several times, right? Yeah, several times. He came out and explicitly said, to people who want to say that there was no quid pro quo, and who ask if there was a quid pro quo, I will say emphatically, yes. So... With his, with his testimony, the evidence that the president engaged in bribery and undermined American national security with respect to the Ukraine is nearly incontrovertible. On, as, uh, as you've no doubt heard, hear the ambulance in the background, other disa- is pretty appropriate considering how many other disasters for Trump happened this week. Former NSC staffer Fiona Hill also testified publicly in Congress. She spent her opening statement criticizing lawmakers who believed and spread a fictional narrative that Ukraine and not Russia meddled in the 2016 election. Quote, I would ask that you please not promote politically driven falsehoods that so clearly advance Russian interests. Oh. The general take is that this rant was likely directed at Devin Nunez, who's become somewhat infamous over the last week for openly promoting this conspiracy theory in, every single, in almost every single one of his official speeches as a member of the investigative committee. Because, of course. Yes. Anyway, on to the meat of Fiona Hill's testimony. She told Congress how she came to learn of an effort outside official government channels to compel the Ukrainian government to investigate Biden and his family, in effect saying that Trump and his administration 
had a shadow foreign policy run primarily by his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. Can we not escape Rudy Giuliani? No. The guy, you know, his 15 minutes are up. He's gone off the deep end. Nobody wants to hear about him anymore. But unfortunately, that's the reality of the times we live in, that we have to talk about Rudy Giuliani. Dear God. Anyway, enough of my vitriol for now. Back to the news. Personal take here, the House will almost certainly vote to impeach Trump at this point, given the damning weight of evidence and the fact that Democrats control the House. However, it's unlikely that the president will be impeached, as the Republican-controlled Senate will almost certainly not vote to impeach him. His support among the GOP hardened, despite the new evidence. When you say impeach, do you mean remove? I mean removed. Yeah, he's the not impeachment's going to get ha- going to happen, but the Senate isn't going to vote to remove him. No, not because, at all. As I said before, his his support has hardened. A number of moderates, representatives, and senators, such as Will Hurd in the House, have indicated that they intend to vote in his favor, despite all the evidence that has come out against him this week. Because he has their balls in his pocket. Um. No comment. That means yes. Yes. <laughs> in, case, in, in case you hadn't heard enough stories about government incompetence and cowardice lately, it's quite likely that the government is going to shut down again come this December. A number of stopgap spending bills are set to expire on the 20th, and Congress has shown no sign of granting Trump his primary request, quest, which is, yet again, money for his border, pol- border wall. He has such a boner for that wall. Yeah, his giant concrete vanity project, as a number of <laughs> a number of commenters, contractors, and defense industry insiders have called it. So it's not just me mocking him for that. Although it would not be unheard of for you to mock him for that. Yes. Did you hear about how uh, an eleven-year-old climbed over a replica of the, over a replica section of the wall? He did. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now you're hearing about it again because I never get tired of that. My favorite was the migrants. Sawing through it, even though they weren't supposed to be able to. Yeah. This just in. United States contractors get out-innovated by a bunch of migrants with a ladder and 50 feet of rope. Basic adventuring tools. Which, if I'm not mistaken, is exactly what Nancy Pelosi said. Yes. Anyway, enough about the wall. On to other bad government decisions. The Justice Department announced on Monday that it intended to repeal the Paramount Decree of 1948. Assistant Attorney General McCon Dellerim made the announcement, and he claimed that antitrust enforcers were not cast in perpetuity to decide what's in and what's out with respect to innovation in an industry. Now, I know this is a slightly complicated subject, so... I'm going to segue to Ed, given his interest in old Hollywood, and he's going to explain to you what the Paramount Decrees are all about. All right. So, the actual title of the case was United States versus Paramount Pictures, and it went through quite a few different names via the media. Um, There's a Hollywood antitrust case, um, but mostly it stuck with Paramount because Paramount was the biggest movie studio at the time. The, The biggest issue that they saw was... These studios were producing the movies, producing the movies, distributing the movies, and then releasing the movies in their own theater chains. So effectively, the studios held a vertical monopoly on the entertainment business. Indeed. 
And it was giving them unfair power, not only over consumers, but over the actors. Jack Warner was by far the worst person, um, worst executive. He would wield that power, and if he wanted to sleep with an actress and she wouldn't do it, he would, he would basically make sure she never worked again. He would withhold her movie from his theaters. Um, and that's just... And if a male actor wouldn't help him get laid, the male actor would suffer the same fate. Yeah, a significant number of actors and actresses were either forced out of business or forced into extremely unhealthy practices under the studio system. Judy Garland was one. Elizabeth Taylor. There are a dozen examples that under, there are dozens of examples that unfortunately we do not have the time to name here. No. Um, initially, the government actually settled with the studios in 1940, and they were like, "All right, well, we're going to let you guys police yourselves. Just make sure you get this done by September of 1943." Basically, what they wanted done was the theater sold off, um, new distribution channels created. And the studios were like, haha, no, we're not going to go out. We're going to go ahead and not do that. We're going to align ourselves with a much bigger union, and we're going to fight you guys. We're going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, Which ended very badly for them. Yeah. So after, um, after 1942, the government was like, all right, guys, we're not playing anymore. We're going to court. A district court actually sided with the studios and said, hey... This is not our area here. This is not for us to do. You need to, you need to step back and let them do it. Now, the government wasn't happy with that decision, so they took it to the Supreme Court. And in a 7-to-1 decision, the justices found that this was unfair to consumers and, again, to the actors working with them. So the Supreme Court ruled that studios had to sell off their theater chains and to negotiate with new chains... <laughs> that no studios were allowed to own their own private theaters, and that system has stayed in place until today and became known as the Paramount Decree. Yes. The fact that that, um, the, this Justice Department repeal, which is, no, which is obviously in no way connected to the head of Marvel being a close personal supporter of Donald Trump. No, not at all. Definitely not. Is, well, the problems that exist, that existed that created the studio system in 1948 didn't go away. They got held in check by the law, but they're arguably even worse now. Disney and Warner Disney in particular already exerts close to close to monopolistic control over the film industry at present. For the last Jedi, they were able to impose extremely onerous terms on theaters asking for huge cuts of the ticket revenue relative to other films and demanding that the theaters show the Last Jedi, on and that in their biggest screens possible for a relatively long duration, or face large, or face very large fines. They did the same thing with Frozen too. Yeah, and Warner Brothers is unfortunately still around as well and has a lot of power and has, as Ed referenced, a very long history of being a bad actor in this market. And um, as as you guys know, we've talked about the Time Warner merger with AT&T, which gives them even more power and ability to treat people badly. And they are wielding that power like crazy right now. All told, this decision is probably a bad one. It's almost certainly influenced by major figures in the entertainment industry having cozied up to the Trump administration. And 
given, given historical precedence, it's very likely to be bad for the consumer. Without a doubt. I know you want good news to close these things out, but unfortunately, I still have more bad news for you. Australia is on fire these days. The, gov- the Australian government, which has steadfastly ignored the effects of climate change on the region, is now facing an unprecedented crisis as huge portions of the country have caught fire and historic wildfires have caused massive amounts of damage. Among other things that have happened are the koala has been declared functionally extinct in the wild after wildfires wiped out about 80% of their habitat. So let me, let me just understand this. When a government ignores climate change, it burns shit down. Our government ignores climate change and California burns. Australia ignores it and koalas go extinct. Where is the fairness in this? Well, nowhere. Anyways, um, we'll be back. Sorry to leave you on that, but we will be back next week. Or I will be back next week. Yes, well, we'll be doing Politalk by himself next week because I will be on vacation. Yeah, like a smart person. I, on the other hand, will be monitoring the news, hold up in, my, hold up in front of my computer, and frantically typing out notes for you like a, a crazy person. And just so you all know, I finally use production notes. I, am sa- I will savor that victory. It will get me through the coming weeks. Okay. All right. I believe that's all from us, folks. Until next time, cheers. And I'm back. Did you miss me? <laughs> um, all right, so the next segment is Politalk with Will, of course. And so I just need you guys to know this. I actually made production notes uh, for, that, for Politalk. Uh, not the whole thing, because Will would never allow that. That's his baby, and you... You all know that, which is true. Um, but what you don't know is this week's segment actually included something I'm rather well-versed in. Old Hollywood. So, Will asked me if I would mind sharing a little bit of my knowledge of a subject with... With... Uh, with the... Um, with, on Politalk. So, of course, I said no. You know, of course not. Like, So, I stayed up and I did some research uh, just to make sure I had all my details and, you know, I, I's dotted, T's crossed, all that good stuff. I wanted to make sure everything was perfect. But what I didn't realize when I was doing my research was I was going to stumble upon something that just blew my mind. Now, you all know, it takes a lot to shock me. It takes a lot to surprise me. Mostly because I've been there and seen it all. There's not one piece of gossip that would really surprise me with one of today's artists. You tell me Billie Eilish is a lesbian, I say, okay. You tell me that you've seen 50 Cent making out with two men while getting handy from a transgender person? Yeah, probably. Surprised it wasn't blowjob, but you know, whatever. Um, so when I say that this piece of gossip shocked me, it blew my mind, just know that it is 100% true. I, I was shocked. I'm still shocked by what I found. 
So one of the legendary feuds of old Hollywood, of course, is Bette Davis and Joan Crawford. And with that feud came the belief that it was a love triangle that really soured the relationship. It was never great to begin with, but it was believed that Joan Crawford marrying Francois Tone basically set fire to any chance that you had of being friends. Beth has said uh, um, herself, basically, that this was... that uh, Joan's marriage to Tone was the catalyst for the feud to explode the way it did. But there's a new emerging theory that Joan Crawford actually had romantic feelings for... Wait for it. Bette Davis. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I know, I know. I like I hear all your jaws dropping just like mine did. The the theory goes that Joan tried so hard to gain a, approval from Betty Davis that there had to be something more to it than just professional respect. And indeed that does seem to be that does seem that does seem to be the case where she wanted something more than what Bet was willing to give. So, would it could it have ever happened? Everything I've read actually said Bet was a well-known bisexual, and. There could have been a chance for them to be together. Maybe not long term, maybe not as a couple couple, but they could have been together um, and at least experienced romance with one another. If Joan hadn't been such a bitch. So where does this leave the Betty Davis... Joan Crawford feud. I know you're asking because I was asking. It leaves it in the same place that it's always been. One of the greatest feuds ever. One of the old Hollywood stories that will be told generations from now for the audacity, for the outrageousness, for the camp value. And let's face it, the only reason why Ryan Murphy did feud Bet and Joan is because it was camptastic fun. It was one of those stories that begged to be told with actresses who were sublime. Yes, Jessica Lange and Sigourney Weaver were phenomenal. There's nothing those two women can't do. It's a little sad that um, neither uh, Joan or Joan or um, Betty's kids will talk and say, you know, yes, this was a case, or no, it wasn't. But I think it's kind of um, a moot point at this point, uh, at this time, to even ask them because they've they've heard all the stories just like we have. They've lived most of them, and they probably just want to move on with their lives. I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, Will will be with me, and we will do Politalk. I'll be right back.
Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And as you have no doubt heard by now, Days of Our Lives has been renewed for season 56. Um, I, we told you this in the last episode that it was going to happen. It was just coming down to a matter of dollars and cents and a timeline. So why release the cast? I've been working my sources, and what I'm hearing is it was it was a negotiating tactic, of course. Um, big surprise. But there was something else going on. And there were quite a few people who... Um, a, a few of the cast members who were starting to become much more problematic than what they were worth and what they were adding to the story. So, what King Corday thought was... I can send a message to NBC and get rid of these cast members. Um, if you look through Soap Opera Digest a couple issues back, they actually ran an item. Um, they didn't name. They didn't specifically say it was a days after, uh, but the stories that I heard matched up. We're not going to reveal that person right now, um, as um, my source um, doesn't want it to roll out and um, roll into more trouble for the show. Um, but needless to say, uh, the, uh, this actor, who should have been grateful to ha- have a gig in the first place, was not. He was very, very uh, nasty and very, very... Um, very, very confrontational about things, and when it came right down to it, he wasn't bringing in, he wasn't bringing in the type of ratings or the kind of fanfare that would have justified putting up with that behavior. And, you know, even more than that, when you, when you're an actor, when you're a soap actor and there's only four shows left on air, you need to watch out because you're not going to be able to get employment from the other shows if you're acting a fool. This isn't the 1990s or the 1980s, 1990s where there's a dozen or more shows and you can act like that. Uh, You know, at this point in the game, you are you are basically making yourself unemployable. And who do you think feeds those Hallmark movies that get made? Soaps, generally speaking. Because they can get a name actor who is seen by millions of people every day for fairly cheap. Do you think that, that Hallmark is going to hire you? They fired Lori fucking Lachlan. So you have no hope. <coughs> Excuse me, it would not be a show without me coughing. So, um, the other thing I'm hearing is that while Days is renewed for season 56, um, fans may have even more reason to celebrate. Uh, If everything goes through, if all the people that are needed sign, this will not be a one-year deal. This will be a multi-year deal. Um, I've heard at least two, um, but it's believed to be in the three- to four-year range. Um, that 
does mean that Days of Our Lives will have to meet certain ratings benchmarks. And um, if it does, the renewal will become automatic. If it misses the benchmarks, we're going to see another um, prolonged process like this one. Uh, that being said, with with the ratings that Dave is pull, pulling in, um, <coughs> it stands as, I believe, NBC's number two or number three show at this point. Um, so, I wouldn't poo-poo it just yet. I wouldn't write it off. Um, you know, I, I know Will's going to kill me for all those ums. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Speaking of Will, he is going to be popping up in the next segment. Or, in, not the next segment, in a couple segments. Covering the um, Christmas conflict. And then he will be ending the show today with Politalk, as usual. Stay tuned, we have a great show for you guys, and I will be right back. And I'm back. So, I want to talk some dating. I know, y'all are tired of talking about dating, but relationships are a very big part of being human, and apparently that's what I am, even though I never got the memo. (laughs) So, I read a brilliant piece called Why Scott Cheated uh, by my friend Sean I'm not even going to pronounce his last name it's on Medium, you can look it up Um, gorgeous, gorgeous man by the way gorgeous, Mm, yum (laughs) and if he's listening now he's getting a restraining order on me (laughs) but seriously, he's gorgeous Um, he's straight ish, I think so, anyways, he in this piece he talks about how he knew um, his buddy was going to cheat on his wife. Uh, basically, he was very flirty with the female um, gym goers. I I don't know how to say that. Ooh, that's that's very awkward. Anyways, Will will yell at me later about it because I did not I do not have production notes for this, um, and. <laughs> And it and it shows. I I use production notes later on in the show though, so maybe that'll make up for it. Uh, anyways, so so their fellow gym goers are female, and he flirts with them and whatever. And after seeing him three four times a week at the gym, Sean noticed that his buddy hadn't shown up in a while, and asked a mutual friend about it. And the mutual friend said, well, hey, you know, his wife left him. Um, He's going through a divorce. He cheated on her. Blah, blah, blah. And it's all very straightforward. It, you know, it's a typical piece showing the signs. But then I got to thinking that there's something deeper. So I wrote a companion piece, or not a companion piece, rather a response piece to it called Love is Just a Factor. And in my piece, I argue that 
you know, obviously in a relationship, love is important. You need love. But there's more to it than that. You know, uh, the other main argument is that love and lust are not the same thing. People tend to get confused and think that if you love someone, you automatically lust them. Or vice versa. You know, if you lust them, you must love them. And it's, it's one of those weird things where I think the intention is to say, you know, if I love you, obviously I want you. And sometimes that's true. But it's not true all the time. I think you can love someone, you know, as a friend or as any number of other relations without wanting them. Think of your family. You don't want to have sex with your family, do you? Um, and conversely, you can lust somebody without loving them. Um, me and my little fuck buddy Josh, uh, there was, there were no feelings there. It was completely all about lust with us. Towards the end, I think he started to think maybe he had feelings for me. But I'm not sure that he ever actually did. So, why did I make this argument? Because so many times in a marriage, when when one partner steps out on the other... We automatically think that they fell out of love. That, you know, the only reason why someone would cheat is because they no longer love the love their partner. And I don't think that's true. I think that they love their partner very much, and that's why they try to keep the affair or the tryst a secret. But I also think that there is a little bit more to it than that. You know, I think... Um, in, in the case of uh, Sean's buddy, you know, he com- he specifically complained that she wasn't taking care of herself. And the women who read the piece rightfully jumped to her defense and said, you know, she's a stay-at-home mom, she's taking care of the house, yada, yada, yada. And that, you know, that is completely valid. You know what else is completely valid? Sean's buddy not being attracted to her because she's not taking care of herself. Just because one is right doesn't mean the other is wrong. You know, it's like saying, you know, there's a whole debate about within the gay community if if you say you're not attracted to blacks or Asians or whatever ethnic group, that you're racist. And I don't think that's true. Preference is preference. You know, I... I don't... I think if you're... Saying something hateful, then you're racist. But if you're just saying, hey... You know, I'm not attracted to... Black men. That's fine. Because you're not saying you hate them. You're not saying, you know, anything hateful about them. You're just saying, I'm not personally attracted to them. 
and I think it's the same thing with um, with Sean's friend and his wife. He's not saying she's not a good mom. He's not saying she's not taking care of the household and, you know, doing a good job with all of that. He's simply saying, I'm not attracted to her. And, you know, and the argument goes, well, if he really loved her, he would be attracted to her no matter what. Again, I, there's, I don't know how these two became so conflated and intertwined, but that's not how, that's not how attraction works. You know, I don't believe for one second that you can, that you have, in order to love someone, you also have to lust them. I also don't believe that you, that there, I don't believe in the whole, um, the, I don't believe in the whole, um, every couple has to follow the rules. You know, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, he shouldn't have stepped out if he wanted to stay married. How about we stay out of the relationship, you know, which obviously seems a little odd coming from me, <laughs> but you know, these are real people, and we don't know how they're feeling at this point, you know, maybe they wanted to talk about their relationship in private, maybe maybe they even did, and he said, I love you, I want to be with you, but I need to go have a 20-something, you know, and yes, this does happen. Middle-aged men have this insatiable need to go for someone younger than them. Some people say it's because it makes them feel feel virile. Some people think it, you know, if they get a younger girl pregnant, um, it keeps them younger in their minds. Whatever the case is, it happens. And it happens more than what we what we talk about. So, you know, maybe she said, well, you go do that, but we're getting divorced. Or, you know, and the other thing that I think people are not taking into consideration is maybe she wasn't in love with him anymore. Maybe she had fallen into a depression and that's why she wasn't taking care of herself. There was no follow-up, so we don't know... Like, after the divorce, did she start taking care of herself? Did, you know, did she start going to the gym and whatnot? Tell me what your thoughts are on this. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of flack for it. Um, you know the usual drill. Uh, Facebook and Insta at Author Ed Anderson. Twitter at Author Ed A. Or you can always email me at ed at author ed, ed at com. Or leave me a message, a voice message on Anchor. And I'll be right back.